2: Money starts right now, live from the Nasdaq market Site, overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lee. The lineup tonight, Carter Worth, Brian Kelly, Jeff Mills, and Steve Grasso. Tonight on Fast, it was a wild ride, but stocks having their first green week in what's otherwise been a very red December. But if you miss the rally, don't worry. The Chart Master here is going to break down what he says is the ultimate catch-up trade. Plus, if there is one thing you need to see heading into 2019, a top strategist says it is this chart you will tell us what it is and what it could mean for the markets. But first, we start with a December surprise on Wall Street. Sox having one of their best weeks of the year with the S&P 500 up nearly 4% this week as it looks like Santa finally came. Consumer discretionary technology and financials, just some of the best performing sectors on the week. But as we head into 2019, can you trust this bounce, and are you trading or fading this week's big winners? Steve Gross? I want to start with you, and first I want to start off with this bounce because there are a lot of people at home, they've been whipsawed by all the action, and they want to know, fade it or trade it, the markets after this week.
1: So I would trade the markets. I think that we're, the damage that has been done is, is, is terrible, but we're still, it's, so much has been done that we're due for this bounce. We had the bounce earlier on in the week, or I should say we had the Christmas Eve massacre. Then we had the bounce. I think we're in for more bounces and maybe extended bounces going into January. So you would. You so I would trade. I would uh-huh. trade it. But you, you, know where I stand. That I think the worst is probably yet to come. In February, I think you're going to see lower lows. Right now, people have to play catch
0: up on Definitely, the rebounds. We
2: believe in what's gone on in the past three sessions.
0: I think we are in a tradable rally. Uh-huh. Um, you know. We talked in early December. I said the correction probably wasn't over. A lot of that had to do with the fact that I felt like, technically speaking, the market wasn't washed out. We hadn't seen panic in the options market. That changed leading into Christmas. What we saw was the options market start to show some fear. The put call ratio blew out to levels that we hadn't seen in a long time. And then, just from a being washed out perspective, we saw levels that we hadn't seen since the bottom in 2011, 2015, 2016. We were left with only 15% of stocks trading below their 200 day moving average. The market as a whole was 12 percent below the 200 day moving average. So I think we were due for this bounce. I think we'll probably see resistance in the 2600 level. uh, But for now, I think it's tradable.
2: I feel like it's a, de- a desk of bulls
3: tonight. Well, oh, I know.
0: It almost makes me want to be bearish, but I can't be. I mean, the price action this week. Well, car-
3: car- I, Carter's I mean, here. I Carter's, here. I no. Be no. Okay. Carter's no. here, BK. It's okay. Andy I want to be. Every, everything in my body wants to be bearish, but I also want to be a contrarian. And I feel a lot more comfortable about stocks with yields at 271 on the 10-year after a 20% decline and a Fed that's potentially going to get a lot more devilish in 2019. To me, if I look out over the next three weeks to three months, you want to trade this stock market. So, you know, call me a bull here.
4: Hmm. Jeff cited a very important level. He's mentioned 2,600, right? Often, If you break down from well-defined intermediate lows, just the same as a breakout, you will retrace the move to the level where the dead bodies are. There's a lot of overhead supply, people who were basically hanging in and then got murdered, of course, uh, over the past couple weeks. And if you get back to that 2,600 level, you have considerable just that, memory. Not only memory from above, people who bought poorly only to be murdered, but there are people who bought well a day or two ago who want to book gains the further it rises but the more important thing is this is it the big week that's good or is it the fact that we just had a terrible month we had a terrible quarter and it happened in a period where history suggests it shouldn't happen this is a period where you should have strength if statistics are what they are and this is the and,
1: year that upset everything
4: correct so I would just say that the risk is you come in in January and it all goes completely again as opposed to some sort of uh, no well, January rally. So
2: you'd fade this. I think so. Yeah, um, and when you take a look at some of the sectors that led us this week, interesting sectors. Consumer discretionary, as we mentioned at the top, up five percent. Yep. Yeah. Retail. Retail. Retail, for retail. Yeah,
3: and so take a look at XLY, which is the consumer discretionary ETF. Now, remember, this is 22% Amazon and about 10% or so Home Depot. So that's really what you're talking here. And for me, if I'm going to buy into the retail sector, we know that online sales were great. We know that, the consumer, that consumers were spending over this holiday period. Uh, and so I want to buy the disruptor. So, you know, if you want to buy the ETF and you want to buy XLY, you're going to be getting Amazon and Home Depot.
2: Yeah. How do you feel about consumer discretionary right now?
0: Consumer discretionary retail also. um, I think it's tradable at this point in time. What I don't like is the fact that we got a reading um, consumer confidence yesterday. The expectations component of that was a little bit weak, so I don't like that. But I do think that retail has some upside from here. If you think about the health of the consumer, for example— The labor market is strong. Wages are now starting to accumulate to the folks a bit further down the income spectrum, so the folks who are more willing to spend that marginal dollar. The savings rate is still elevated. So from a consumer perspective, I think that they can perform well in 2019. And when you have a forward PE in the 13 range, I think for a trade, uh, it still has some upside. The key is what you said,
4: Bigger, is that it's so dominated by a few names, right? right, We know that the sector... Uh, if you look at the equal weight versus the actual weight, there's the real story, which is to say the equal weight is down and down hard. The sector, if you can call it that because it's so influenced by it, has held up well. But has it? Uh, the answer is no. Yeah,
1: yeah but when you, when you look at these names, they're usually the names that get hit first. And usually they recover first. So when we're all talking about this tradable bounce, or at least three of us out of four we're talking about a tradable bounce, I think you're going to get that bounce in the Amazon, in the Home Depot, in the McDonald's. Home Depot, Home Depot is down 10% year-to-date. McDonald's is okay. Amazon's been the one that's really going to lead or fail in that group. So I do think if the market does okay for the next couple of weeks, you're going to see a bounce in this as well.
2: Yeah. I want to go to financials here. This is an interesting Ooh, week. Yeah. BK like the financials. I like them. I and like them. They may have Carter Braxton. War. I
3: know. But they've been, they've been so beaten up. They're trading below book value. You look at something like a Bank of America trading at about 75% of book value. So unless you think that there is a recession coming and that book value is actually not going to be what it is today, which I don't think is the case, then I think you have to buy financials probably, in this
4: environment. That stuff's all true. But the thing is, it was also true, right, at higher prices. For the BKX to drop 20% in a month. And that's the biggest names in the well, planet. Well, the book value has not been true for a long time. Well, recently, right? Recently. But, I mean, that, it's not a timing tool, right? I mean, a timing true. tool is whether it's oversold or not. And, and prospectively, everything's oversold. The, really, the issue is this. How much more can you get from the bounce? And how quickly, if and as the bounce is going to fail, will it fail? I, don't, I couldn't think it would go. I
1: don't perfect. think it lines up as a bullish scenario. So I hear what BK is saying. But you don't have politics on your side anymore. There's going to be more regulation or... Just less deregulation. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have, as we discussed, uh, you're not going to have the leverage that you once had to make them growth stocks. Mm-hmm. And with the yield curve, these guys don't these guys don't uh, lend money anymore. So I, I would fade this. I would fade the XLF. I'm, it's faded Yeah. And you also have that double top that we talked about. That Carter po- pointed out on the XLF. So, grant you have some room there again, but.
4: It's definitely a fail. And also, this was the area that led, coming out of the election two years ago, the so-called Trump bump, whatever you want to have it, for higher interest rates, for regulatory relief. And on a relative basis, all of the gains were given back. In fact, we have a chart on the screen there. You can see the bottom panel is relative. Top is the actual financial sector. And you see the two circles there. We have undone all of
1: the election. So you could have a Trump bump and you could have a Dem dump. So if you want to call it that, just, to, just for the sake of putting an equal well, thing on the other side of it.
2: external factors, though. Sure. I mean, I was talking to an analyst today on Power Lunch, and he was saying, you know, operationally, the banks, the banks have, have been excellent in 2018. And I said, well, that hasn't helped the stock price right. at all. So what's it going to do in 2019 if operationally they record, excelled record in 2018 and their stock prices, you know, declined precipitously?
0: That's right. I mean, and for us, we thought deregulation really was going right. to be the catalyst to loan growth. And we haven't seen that loan growth. And I think a big problem of that, or maybe a catalyst for that, was the $500 billion plus of repatriation that we saw, additional liquidity from the tax cuts. Maybe corporations didn't need to borrow as much to fund those contemplated projects. And I think the yield curve is a good point. You could see an intermittent steepening of the yield curve. That could Mm -hmm. be the potential catalyst, because I understand the value argument. But I even question that a little bit, just given what the market is already pricing in as it relates to what the Fed is going to do. And as we go further in the business cycle, the curve probably will continue to flatten. And I think this is an interesting point. The term premium has come down kind of structurally over the past number of decades. So that gives kind of long dated versus short dated maturities a much shorter cushion. So I think you could actually see a flatter yield curve, even more inversions of the yield curve that aren't necessarily associated with growth issues. That's probably not going to be good for the banks. Let's
2: move on to tech, up 4% for the week. Carter, I feel like I know what you're going to say, but well, I'll here allow too. To say is it, it
0: yourself. I mean, is it the fact that tech is
4: having one of its worst months ever, or is it the little blip up after the murder? I mean, you know, they, they do have a phrase in this business called dead cat bounce. Is this a dead cat bounce? I mean, the cat hits the floor off of the 20 stories, and it looks as though it's jumped up, but it's just a bounce. The cat's still dead.
1: Yeah, huh. I, I think, you know, this is one of those things where you look at the top holdings in the XLK and the, and the tech holdings, and you get your Apple, you get your Microsoft, and you get Visa, oddly enough, in there, right? So I think you're okay with Microsoft. I think you're okay with Visa. I actually own Apple, still own it, and you could, you could get this tradable issue with the technology sector where you want to—it It it is a traded moment because Apple is so overdone to the downside. People want to get in there. It's a beloved stock. People want to get back in there. And this is one of those things where we talked about it last night. You can trade it and then you could fade this thing in February. But I think it's tradable at least for 30 days. The
2: One thing is I don't want to make too much of a move today because today's moves was pretty microscopic compared to the huge swings we've had this week but i mean when we saw the markets turn we saw big cap techs the names that let us higher they're the first ones to go south we had right. facebook turn we had alphabet well, turn we had apple turn and
3: think about if we're going into a slower growth environment that's when these stocks did actually fairly well so and some of them relatively cheap you look at something like a, uh, an apple is relatively cheap in this environment
2: all right we want to get to this chart here that we teased at the top mercilessly jeff brought the chart along He says it's the most important chart for 2019. So why don't you explain?
0: Sure, so I think the chart's interesting because it puts earnings growth in an economic fundamental perspective. I think a lot of what precipitated the October weakness was this fear that earnings estimates finally started to come down and folks actually started to price in negative earnings growth next year, flat earnings growth next year. So the idea is, how realistic is that given economic fundamentals so let's say we get to one sixty three in earnings for twenty eighteen let's say we do it again for twenty nineteen so flat earnings and then even give um, another turn lower in trailing multiple so you get down to fifteen or fourteen or so that's really where we were in the market a very short time ago so that's what the market was pricing into a large degree so you look at this chart and you say okay how overblown is that growth scare how realistic are flat earnings for next year and this is a chart manufacturing PMI graphed up against uh, year-over-year S&P 500 earnings per share. And what you see is every time year-over-year S&P 500 earnings per share has gone negative in the past, what you've seen is an ISM manufacturing index well below 50 Now we're much closer to 60 than we are to 50. I do think you've probably seen a peak in the ISM and will probably drift lower throughout next year. But it's not consistent with contracting earnings or even flat earnings. we got Chicago PMI this morning over 65. That has an 82 percent correlation with the national index. So I think it rolls over, but I think it does so. I just wonder how much of that is the market telling us something. And
1: it never it never looks bad until it's bad. Sure. So when you start to see that roll over, the market is telling you something. When you have these conversations with, with clients, they're saying, what does the market see that we don't all see right now? Because everything looks rosy or blush. I think they're telling us something and the market the market is telling us something six to eight months
3: out, not well, now. And so what's interesting, six to eight, eight months out, maybe, but on the shorter term, you look at the city economic surprise index, and all of those are at lows, below zero, suggesting that there's chance for an economic surprise. The economic numbers might come out better, and that could be a catalyst for a short-term balance. I mean, the
4: thing is, Jeff, t- it's, peak. it's peak. It's peak. It all feels like it's peak, and the rate of change, whether it's the earnings revisions, which are negative, whether it's the uh, basic economic data globally, it all would suggest that the market, which does look out, three, six, nine months, has figured out that the peak is in and that there's more downside risk. Even if it's flat, the question is, we, it's been all multiple compression, right, with no or no E. Does the E compress and
0: somehow we're not anticipating it? Yeah, I, I think that, that's certainly the question.
2: Well, if you missed this week's Bounce Back, don't worry. The chart master says he has the ultimate catch-up trade heading into the new year. We've got all the details. Plus, Tesla surging today as Oracle's Larry Ellison is named to the board of directors. Is he... The adults in the room that investors have been waiting for will tell you what it can mean for the stock. And later, the most hated stocks on Wall Street are rallying hard this week, but it could be a bad sign for the market. We'll explain. We're live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after
1: this. What's on the horizon for financial markets?
2: Welcome back to Fast Money. This next group of stocks have turned investors green with envy. That's right. The most hated stocks on Wall Street are all in rally mode this week. Our Bob Pisani is at the New York Stock Exchange with more on that. Hey, Bob.
5: Hi, Melissa. You know, there are signs that short sellers have made some money this week. First, according to ISH Market, a basket of the most shorted names were down 17.5% going into this week. Those least shorted were down 10.8%. Well, that's a sign short sellers were in the money. Now another sign shorts might be making money. The Thomson Reuters United States most shorted index, this is a basket of the most shorted stocks in the United States, was down about 18% going into this week. It's rallied 6% this week, outperforming the S&P, which is only up a little more than 3%. That means the short bets are working out, at least for the time being. Indeed, some of the most widely shorted names have done quite well this week. It's likely a sign that at least some of the shorts have covered their positions. The list includes Snap, it's up 20% this week, Abercrombie & Fitch is up almost 14%, Chesapeake Energy is up 12%, Caesars Entertainment up 10.6%, and there's also a trio of home improvement names, Restoration Hardware, Williams-Sonoma, and Bed Bath & Beyond, all up about 6% now of course you can't attribute this rally entirely to short covering That's silly the main factor in the rebound was the wildly oversold conditions we saw by the middle of the week buyers clearly stepped in to buy beaten down names that's number one but on top of that we saw the likely end of tax loss selling which has been especially brutal this december and yesterday we saw a dramatic late-day sell-off in bonds and a huge surge of buying in stocks that is likely the result of pension funds reallocating out of bonds and into stocks. Bottom line is there's many factors in this week's midweek rally. Back to you, Melissa.
2: All right. Thanks, Bob. Bob Pisani at the New York Stock Exchange. So two-part question here. Hmm. If a turnaround is sparked by short selling, does it matter, A, to the overall markets? Be, does it matter to the individual stocks which saw no, a huge
3: trend? I don't think so. I mean, you have to have the follow through, right? But let's say the short sellers are the first buyers out there. Number one, thank you very much for being short because you're actually putting some buy support in the market. Number two, if that pulls everybody else in and says, hey, you know what? Maybe we got some kind of short term uh, bottom here, you can get that rally. You can get a little bit of momentum. So I don't, I think it's okay. The only thing that, that matters is, is if they lay them buy. back
1: out again. So if they cover them and if they lay them back out again, and then we just become in a trading range. So these guys are just saying, okay, the, the market has given you a gift. We all wished for a volatile market. We all wish for volatilized traders. You wanted to see something other than sideways motion. So we've gotten what we've wished for. And now if the shorts... Lay them out again. Then it's then we just become in this real wide range, 200 handles in the S&P, which is not terrible. So it, it doesn't matter.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, those names. There wasn't an, an important stock in that list, right? Things like Snap or eight and ten billion dollars. These are all things that are on 60, 70, 80 percent. Uh, they just don't matter. They don't matter for the market. We know the top five stocks are bigger than the bottom 250. Little stocks that bounce because they maybe do got a business or don't and someone tries to cover short, it just has nothing to do with the market. Is it a sentiment thing? No, it's just an individual uh-huh. who's got a great win is thinking maybe it's time to walk well, let's away. let's say you're
2: an investor in one of these unimportant stocks, as Carter says. So, yeah, well, and you're then it's, to see, then you're it's an, to see infinitely, infinitely important. And and you're do, you sell, do you sell this or you think, oh, you know what, maybe, maybe this will start as something more lasting?
0: Well, I think that's the interesting point and Carter you may have an opinion on this but is this shift in leadership does that support the idea of this tradable bounce that we're seeing we see shorts rallying we see small caps rallying we see higher volatility stocks rallying does that risk seeking behavior does that support the bounce at least well, in the right. short well right so
4: the three things if you think about on a relative basis EEM peaked first and was down hard, semis, right, and home builders. And those three areas, not that there are others, but are very headline areas, all have exhibited impressive relative performance as the markets may been those. They've not. Um, that can start to mean something. But individual securities, this short or that short, I'm not sure there's much insight but,
3: there. But, I mean, the one thing is, I, I guess the assumption here is you're extrapolating the fact that these heavily shorted yes. stocks, that people aren't only doing these five. right? Right. They're covering their shorts on their entire portfolio, rebalancing their portfolio. So these might be Unimportant to some people. I mean, I don't know who, but some people might not like them. But But they're indicative. That's a a great
1: point because they're indicative of what's going on. And you're not going to see the short covering that sticks out the way these names stick out. So it is indicative that the market it's a good
2: sign in your view.
1: It's a good sign when you start to see guys cover because, as we know in this business for as long as we've all been in this business, every rally starts with short covering.
2: For more on what the market moves are signaling, you can head over to CNBC.com. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. Run,
3: Boris! Run! Stocks soaring back this week. And if you're looking for a way to catch the rally, the Chartmaster will tell you the one trade that could give you a running start. Plus, I'm very close friends with Elon Musk. you got a friend in me. And talk about a friend with benefits. Tesla surging as Larry Ellison is named to the board of directors. Will he become the Oracle of Tesla? There's much more fast money right after this. Support
2: for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production. And they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out shares of Tesla surging today after the company named Oracle's Larry Ellison and Walgreens executive Kathleen Wilson-Thompson to the board as part of its SEC settlement. Larry spoke about his relationship and admiration of CEO Elon Musk back in October on Oracle's Analyst Day. Take a listen.
3: You're telling me he's an idiot. I just want to know who you are so I know... Why should I believe you, as opposed to my friend Elon, Who and we're out here watching this rocket land?
2: <laughs> so will Larry Ellison turn out to be the Oracle of Tesla? <laughs> Is he independent? Enough, Steve.
1: What's amazing is that when you look at Larry Ellison, he was always the maverick. He was the cowboy. He was the guy. And now it's, it, it, what's, what's the beauty of the point of reference compared to Elon Musk, he does look like the, the uh, adult in the room. And he, he has a track record of success. So the market liked it. BK had a nice call last night. I said stay out of it. I said short it. He had a nice call. So I think he might have known something. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but I would think you're running into resistance. I'd still be a seller of it. But today, nice day for Tesla.
2: I mean, the fact that the SEC will now theoretically be off Tesla's back, I, think I would that's imagine big. that's a huge thing. I,
3: I think that's very big. They settled with them. I mean, they are making some changes. Larry Ellison probably isn't independent enough to satisfy some people. But this is classic Silicon Valley companies that go public. I mean, look at what happened with Facebook. They had to bring Sher- Sheryl Sandberg in. So, I, to me, I think a more meaningful move would be to bring somebody in that's an operator that Wall Street can say, you know what, this person's actually going to be able to hit numbers and let elon musk be the creative genius that he is
4: i mean in terms of the price action you almost would have thought it would be bigger right i mean to move up five percent plus minus uh that happens almost 12 15 of the time in this stock this stock does that up down it's either this is it going to break out it's been in this range for now three years right? everyone knows the tops at 385 does it finally break out uh to new highs that's the bet i would make but for now it's just a trading hmm. chip it goes up it goes down and no one's really making any money
2: all right it's that time final trade time let
3: go around the horn carter
4: disney an offensive and defensive play
3: brian kelly so financials i talked about bank of america one of the cheapest on a price to book
0: ratio jeff mills xlk i still want to be in tech when there's a drought people pay for water when growth slows people are going to pay for growth i still want to be in tech you know a stock that
1: everyone hates that's down 57% year-to-date? General Electric. Wow.
2: <laughs> oh, oh. Guess
5: I I actually, that, actually I actually mean, thought you got that without even like looking at the screen. I'm a mind reader.
1: That, that is tremendous. General Electric, I think we've reached peak <laughs> pessimism.
2: All right, Jeff, thanks for being here. That does it for us here on Fast. We'll see you back here Monday at 5. Don't leave. Options Action starts right after this break.